0: Amen. Thanks guys. Good morning. Good to see you. See you all. Yeah, I've heard from some of you that uh, I kind of look different and uh, it's, it's, I know you think it's the new shirt, but it's it's not a new shirt. I just shaved off my beard and, and uh, it was just kind of time. And so what's funny is my wife, so, oh thanks. And so, uh, of course, Marsha's like, well, you don't look so bad. <laughs> I think I can get used to it. And so uh, I guess that was an encouraging way to start my day. You don't look so bad. So that's good. Yeah, that's a compliment. Uh, I'm excited because uh, this has been just an incredible spiritual battle for me these last several days, trying to, to come to this message. And I, and I still know that it's mostly God just kind of pounding on me and uh, teaching me what he wants me to know. But I really am excited just to kind of see what comes out, and so for some of you, I, I trust that God has a really specific message for you, and for others, you'll just walk away and say, well, I'm glad God pounded on Steve that week because I didn't get anything out of that, and uh, either way is fine. I, I trust that it'll be okay, but I just want to encourage you that you're here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose, and you know, it's so easy for us to look at the world and think, well, yeah, you know, Billy Graham served this purpose, and we see all these, uh, these uh, big names that we come to mind that you see that influence people on the radio or on TV. Or you see maybe the politicians that, that are running countries or involved in making big decisions. Uh, and, and, you know, and we can see that they're here for a purpose. And, and, and maybe someone that has this big financial enterprise and you can see how maybe they're here for a purpose. But really I just want to encourage you and I really want you to think about this carefully is that, that you are here uh, for a purpose, and it's really significant. And you're here for such as a time as this, for such as a time as this right now. And really, the most significant thing you could be doing is probably uh, right what you're doing, being surrounded by who you're surrounded by. Uh, maybe the most significant thing you could be doing is being a parent to your sons or your daughters. Uh, maybe it's being a spouse to your husband or wife. Uh, maybe it's just loving your neighbors That God has placed around you or your co-workers Or your family or your friends Uh, But but don't minimize the purpose and the significance that you have here Remember Christ was a carpenter for 30 years God thought that was the best way for his son to spend his time on earth Living his life just like you're living your lives You're here for a purpose And and realize that, that God has really called you to something special and you have this incredible opportunity Uh, the God of the universe wants to use you right where you are and so I I just want you to think about what's holding you back from being all that you can be for this time right now and I believe and what I see all the time in my life and in other lives is, is that we just have other loves that are really more important to us than Jesus Christ and, and these things can be—they they, they can be good things, and, and and they just become more important. And it, it can be as dear as a spouse, or as dear as a, as a son or a daughter. Uh, it can be uh, something that we think is not as 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 close, but a, a thing of this world. And, and these these things, or this this money, or this security, or these things from these worlds. Uh, this world just grabs us and we have these loves that become more important to us than Jesus Christ and we end up worshiping these loves rather than Christ um and i tell you what god will never allow that he will never be satisfied with that there's only one who deserves worship only one and when we get misplaced we kind of struggle and we lose really our our purpose and we lose this whole sense of why we're here and so today as as we look at the life of Esther I want you to really think about what have you not surrendered to Christ what have you not surrendered to Christ spend some time thinking about that God's pretty good at making those things known to us what is more important to you than Jesus Christ and, and I trust that uh, as we look at the life of Esther and we go back in this ancient history that, that uh, we'll see that uh, this is not a new, a new question. Um, it's not a new question. God's always poking us and touching those things that are dear to us and asking us to surrender for our good and for his glory. So we're looking at this book. We're going back. It was written about 485 years, 485 B.C., if you go back to the book of Esther, if you have your Bibles, um, smartphones, whatever, flip open to Esther. And, and, and just kind of as a background, just to remember where we are, Ahasuerus is the king, or Xerxes uh, is the same guy in history. Uh, the Jewish people have been living in exile. They're in this particular group of Jews. is in Persia, and it's been about 100 years after Jerusalem fell, but God has not forgotten his chosen people. Uh, even though his name is not mentioned in the Book of Esther, uh, the name of God, we see his footprints and his fingerprints everywhere. And so, Ahasuerus is the king. Uh, Haman, Haman is his top guy. Um, Vashti was the queen. Uh, she uh, didn't uh, bow to the king, and so they looked for a new queen and chose Esther, who was raised by Mordecai. Mordecai was Jewish. And uh, haman tries to kill all the jews because he hates mordecai and because he has this history Which we'll look at and esther comes in with mordecai and ultimately saves her people And we're so we're looking at the story the history of it We're also looking kind of at the allegory behind it And the symbolism behind it really kind of looking at the pictures of the types or trying to gain some ideas from what these things These people represent to us and if you remember, uh, we saw the king, Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, as the soul of man. The soul, your soul. So what you think, and, you know, what you feel, and what you choose, okay? The king, we see as that picture. And uh, in the palace, of course, the king's making decisions. He's declaring these policies. He's, he's publishing these decrees. And that impacts the kingdom. And the kingdom, we saw, is the body, So, just for us, the soul makes decisions, right? Your will makes decisions. Your mind, your emotions all tie into this. Influences then what your body does. And, uh, of course, what you believe controls how you act. uh, True or false. And Haman comes on the scene. He represents the flesh. There's this enmity with God. This battle with God. And, uh, he he's all about himself and getting his needs met. He doesn't want anything to do with Uh, Anyone else just haman. He's totally filled up with pride a good picture of unredeemed humanity Uh, And the the flesh never improves which we'll talk about that as well, but haman's wealthy. He's influential Uh, he's deeply entrenched into the palace and so Haman uh, has the king's confidence. He uh, Ultimately gets moved to the top job which we'll see today as we look into the scripture and uh, the king had everyone bow down to haman because uh Apparently they just wouldn't bow down otherwise So the king issued a decree to make them bow down and, and Haman though had the ear of the king So he impacted the king's thinking And molded the king's decision So just think about it From the picture of the allegory The flesh impacts the, the, the mind, the will, the motion, the choices Which impact then what's happened in your body What you actually do and how you act And Mordecai comes on the scene Mordecai uh, means man in his humility Little man, he's a good picture of the Holy Spirit and of course the story begins Mordecai's outside the palace Haman's in the palace Mordecai has very little access to the king um, But he refuses to bow down to Haman And Haman hates Mordecai He hates all the Jews He hates all the things of God It's a good picture of the spirit As an enemy to the flesh And uh, it's really a picture In the beginning of really fallen uh, mankind Fallen men and women Separate from God Under the influence only of themselves And of the flesh Esther um, She's orphaned. She's raised by Mordecai And he raised her as his own daughter And she's a picture of the human spirit really under the influence of the Holy Spirit So you get this this picture, right? There's this battle playing out behind the scenes And uh, it's this battle that's playing out right now in your lives The battle's still the same. It's good and evil God and satan spirit flesh And there is a victor and there is a victory And we can either choose to walk with the victor Walk with Jesus Christ, surrender to the spirit Or we can choose to walk in the flesh And so our story begins um, Mordecai's outside the palace Haman's in the palace And the only hope really to change things Is to completely change the government And it's very true for every single one of us We kind of want to clean up the outside but the only way to really change is to change from the inside out. That's how life is truly lived. Uh, there has to be a change where the Holy Spirit has to come in, and the Holy Spirit has to take control of your life. And if you want to be all that you are designed to be for this time, 2016, right now, where you're called, uh, requires a surrender to the Spirit. So the very first thing we're going to look at that we need to understand is that um, we do have an enemy, and you, every single one of you has an enemy. So in Esther chapter 3 is where we're going to pick up our story. And it begins in verse 1. After these events, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agite, and advanced him and established his authority over all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman. So the king had commanded that. But Mordecai did not bow down nor pay homage. And the king's servants, who were at the king's gate, said to Mordecai, Why are you transgressing the king's command? And it was when they had spoken daily to him, he would not listen to them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's reason would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage to him, Haman was filled with rage. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone For they had told him who the people of Mordecai were Therefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews The people of Mordecai Who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus Father we come to you right now And I just surrender this time to you And uh, I just uh, need you Desperate for you and just pray, Father, that you would speak to every single one of us by the power of your Spirit, and uh, we'll just give you the glory for what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, as we see here, it begins with after these things, after a lot of the things that I had said. Now, Esther's the queen. Uh, so many things. There's one thing we didn't really talk about. Uh, Mordecai in in chapter two. At the end of chapter two, um, he hears about a plot uh, in. Mordecai was sitting in the king's gate And Big Than, I love that name, Big Than And uh, so if we had another kid Maybe we'll get a grandkid named Big Than um, And and Teresh were two of the king's officials And and they became angry and they wanted to, to kill the king And the plot became known to Mordecai And so he told Esther and Esther informed the king And the king was saved So Mordecai was able to save the king And had an impact on the king even when he's outside the palace And so just know that even if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're just living your life for these people that we're praying for that don't know the Lord, that God is working in their lives. Even though maybe they haven't uh, surrendered to him yet, he's working in their lives. And so Mordecai uh, saves the king's life, okay? And then what happens, right at the beginning, after these things, Haman gets promoted, right? Mordecai saves the king's life, so Haman gets promoted, And you ever have that happen to you, right? Uh, It happens all the time in this world. (laughs) It happens all the time where uh, things just aren't fair and life is painful. And oftentimes you see evil rewarded. You see people who don't do things quite the right way get promoted instead of you. You see them get lifted up and exalted and seemingly put into a good place and seemingly get away... Uh, with what they uh, they uh, you can clearly see as opposed to the things of God, but they they 're not getting away with anything, and so Haman gets promoted, even though Mordecai saves the king and Haman is of course uh, pretty deeply enten- entrenched in the palace with the king and uh, and and or, you know and so Mordecai though is not going to bow down to him because Mordecai is Jewish and and to worship any person or anything on this earth they considered idolatry and so he took a stand you shall have no other gods before me and that was his stand and believe me when you take a stand for God when you do something where you feel like God is leading you and you surrender to the Holy Spirit there's always going to be someone um, someone who resents your surrender to God and this whole story today that we look at kind of starts from that it starts from Haman really resenting Mordecai's stand for God and so Haman is so enraged that he decides he doesn't want to just kill Mordecai. He wants to take out all the Jews. All the Jews. Now, Haman is from Agag, who was an Amalekite. Uh, Amalek was where the beginning of that tribe was. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. And uh, if you go all the way back to that time, you see that Esau really rejected God's way, rejected God's grace. He wouldn't admit that he needed God. He wouldn't admit that he, that he needed uh, a savior. And he rejected his birthright. He really hated it. And he thought, what do I need a birthright for that's going to restore me to dependence on God? I'm independent. I'm self-sufficient. Okay? And, and, and that just ran through that, that line. Uh, the Amalekites then came from his grandson, and they were the ones who attacked Israel when they left Egypt, and they were headed to the Promised Land. You can pick that up in Deuteronomy 25 sometime But they killed the young, they killed the weak Of the chosen people And uh, And they hated the Jews And they taught their kids to hate the Jews And it went on In 1 Samuel, Saul was instructed to kill the Amalekites uh, Because They led people away from God But Saul thought, of course, he knew better So he thought he could spare the king Agag. Where the Agag Got their name, I don't know, he's got too many G's in there but the Agagites got their name, right? And, uh, and they got their name from the king that Saul decided not to kill. And yet, when God tells you to do something, um, obey. There's a reason he, he does that. And so Samuel confronts Saul. Saul confesses his sin. Samuel puts uh, Agag to death before the Lord. It's in 1 Samuel 15. And, 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 and it's so interesting to us because since God does not just wipe us out when we sin, when he doesn't just deal with sin immediately It's so easy for us to think That he is casual about sin But God hates sin All sin uh, His son died because of sin Now if your son or your daughter Died because of something Because of someone's sin Okay There's a There's, there, there's just not It's not a casual thing anymore and sin is not a casual thing to God Even though from our eyes He maybe doesn't work that quickly to wipe it out It's just that he is patient with us Not wanting any to perish, Peter tells us But he hates sin And there's a huge price to pay for sin God demander, demands surrender He demands dependence on him He demands humility And so this whole, this whole sense of, of Going through this line Of just turning their back on God Uh, Is against the things of God And God ultimately will not stand for that Uh, This line continues Even Josephus uh, wrote that King Herod's tribe was descended from the Amalekites And if you remember King Herod tried; He killed all the babies uh, When Jesus was born Trying to wipe out the Messiah The way of salvation, God's way And so if you just catch this right, Haman hates The people and the things of God Okay, he hates the people And the things of God And now remember what he represents for us? Our flesh, right? You get that? Our flesh hates the things of God, okay? And we kind of tend to minimize that sometimes. We tend to think that it's really not that significant, this little bit of lust, this little bit of greed, this little bit of pride, uh, but really directly opposed to the things of God. Uh, Paul writes that the flesh sets the desires against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, right? They're opposition to one another. It's a battle. And you have an enemy, and he often works through your flesh patterns. He convinces you to try and meet your needs apart from God. We talk about that a lot. Try and just solve these things yourself. Really, he even tries to get us to overcome Uh, Our our weaknesses of our flesh Which we hate at times Just on our own strength Right And and it's like this subtle little deception But we need to understand The flesh cannot be improved Okay the flesh cannot be improved You know It it, it may try and look Better and act better And be holy and you may be self-righteous And think well I can overcome this Or you may have self-pity and say Woe is me you know but But the truth is uh, The flesh can never be improved Ever And whenever you start thinking about myself And I'm going to fix myself And I'm going to make myself better And I'm going to improve myself And I'm going to overcome the weaknesses in myself Just stop And realize what you really need is Christ And the answer is to quit thinking about yourself And start thinking about Christ Okay Uh, Walk by the Spirit You will not carry out the desires of the flesh Galatians 5.16 You want to overcome you surrender to the Spirit. You, you ask God to overcome because he has. And so the question still is, what have you not surrendered to Christ? Realize that you have an enemy who does not want you to surrender to Christ, who wants to kind of hold you back from what God has for you at a time like this. Think carefully about those things. The second thing Not only do we have an enemy, but we need to know that the flesh grieves the spirit. The flesh grieves the spirit. Haman kind of puts this plot together to uh, annihilate all the Jews. You kind of see it through the (laughs) chapter 3. And uh, they cast lots. They pick a day. He puts together all this money and uh, basically says, there's all these people scattered throughout your kingdom who have different laws than, than they do. And it's not in your interest, king, to let them remain, so kill them all. And so the king gives his signet ring to him. He sends out letters to destroy and kill all the Jews. It's uh, nearly about a year later when he does it. And it's a thing, though, that cannot be repealed. And, um, and, and it's just one of those things. And so they issue this decree to kill all the Jews. And in verse 15 of chapter 3, the couriers go out. They're impelled by the king's command, the decree is issued in Susa the capital The king and then Haman sat down to drink And the city of Susa was in confusion So they issued this decree to kill all the Jews Of course <laughs> They're reeling from this The Jewish people, God's people And they're, they're wrestling through this And trying to figure out about this And Haman and the king say ah, Let's go have a drink It's been a good day And they sit down to drink And uh, enjoy the day And in chapter 4, Mordecai learns all that had been done. He tears his clothes. He puts on sackcloth and ashes. He goes out in the midst of the city. He wails loudly and bitterly. And he went as far as the king's gate, for no one could enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in each and every providence where the command was decreed of the king, where it came, there was great mourning among the Jews. And with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, Haman had influenced the king which impacted the entire kingdom and all of a sudden the kingdom is in mourning the jewish people are in mourning and and they draw together that's what happens when you go through struggles and through life you, and through loss it draws you close and and uh, really it's it's not suffering and struggle that usually tears us apart it's affluence when we struggle, we're drawn close together and, uh, and they put on sackcloth, they put on ashes They became, you know, there were these loose-fitting clothes That, that, that were made of goat's hair And they kind of hung like a gunny sack And they would take the ashes from the fire and put them on themselves So they get kind of this ghastly, really ghostly almost kind of appearance, right? And, and Mordecai goes to the king's gate uh, Where the king would meet with his subjects He would make judgments Um, But he knew he couldn't go into the gate. But he's thinking, maybe the queen will see me. Because she probably doesn't know what's going on. And she doesn't know what's going on across the kingdom where they were mourning and suffering. And the people were rallying together. And, And Mordecai is grieved by Haman's sin against the people of God. He's grieved by it. And it's a simple thing. But I really believe it's a thing that so often God really just wants to bring into our hearts. He wants us to be grieved by sin. And to simply repent. To simply turn to him. To simply admit it. And realize he's already dealt with sin on the cross through Jesus Christ. But don't minimize it. Repent and grieve it. And so they go in and they tell Esther... Mordecai's out there He's in sackcloth So Esther's solution is Give him some new clothes Right? She sends him clothes Let's, let's cover up the sackcloth Let's change the clothes Let's quit the grieving let's, let's change the external appearance But I tell you what If the Holy Spirit is grieved You're not going to comfort him By a change of clothes By any external thing But only by a change of government By a change of heart and that's really what this is about. It's not about a change of actions, but a change of heart. So often we get so confused by that because our enemy is trying to deceive us. And we think that we're going to avoid the tree of the knowledge of evil. And so we're not going to do evil. But little do we realize that we're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good. And we're trying to act good and we're trying to be good. And we still are missing out on the tree of life. That we all desperately need And when we feast on the tree of life All of a sudden our actions change But externally to God The tree of knowledge of evil tree of knowledge of good Just sin Just sin You can do good things And it can be sin If it's on your own power In your own flesh But the spirit's never going to be comforted Until uh, he's in the proper place as the king of kings in your life And so for us to submit to the holy spirit when we do all of a sudden that impacts our souls that influences our bodies What have you not surrendered to jesus? Mordecai uh, informs esther what's going on And chapter 4 verse 10 uh, She Orders the reply to be sent to Mordecai. All the king's servants, all the people of the king's providence know that for any man or woman who comes to the king in the inner court, who's not summoned, he has but one law, that he be put to death. And unless the king holds out the golden sceptre, so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come for 30 days. And they related Esther's words to Mordecai. And Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Who knows if you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Now realize, before Mordecai could come into the life of the king, he first came into the life of Esther. And the Holy Spirit must first be restored, restored to the human spirit before he can begin to take control of your soul, which impacts how you act. Esther's the picture there. And Mordecai came into the life of Esther by adoption. There's no unplanned adoptions. No unplanned adoptions. And you choose to adopt you're responsible to educate and to care and to discipline and to guide the one who's adopted That's really what the holy spirit does for every single one of you who knows christ as your savior And uh, I just encourage you to maybe read romans 8 14 16 in there about adoption We don't really have time to talk about it today, but but you have been adopted by the king of kings and it is planned And he has come into your life and christ is in you and guess what this is your time This is your only time This is it This is it guys This is our only time to walk on this earth And and live this life. This is it for every single one of us And and we have a choice we can either put him first and surrender to christ or we can put these other loves first and um, Grieve him when we worship false gods So if Esther obeys Mordecai, she risks everything. If she's not summoned, she'd be put to death. Not only that, they'd find out, ultimately they will, that she's Jewish, and she'd be put to death anyway. It'd be ultimately March of our time, about a year later, from the time the decree was issued. So she risks everything. And it's like one of these crux moves, one of these turning point speeches, right? Right? Uh, and he's like you can't escape you're just like all of us. You cannot escape this God is on the throne. He doesn't need any one of us But how great it is that he chooses us and that he adopted you and he wants to use you for his eternal purposes So just think about where think about in what circumstances think about with what people god has placed you for such a time as this And then ask yourself Will you surrender? Will you surrender? Esther told him to reply to Mordecai, assemble the Jews, her and Susa, fast for me. She needs prayer. She, they fast. Don't eat. Don't drink for three nights or days. And I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And that's when I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And I will do that. And if I perish, I And so mordecai went away and did just as esther had commanded him if I perish I perish And I almost think that's where we really need to get with all of these things All of these loves it takes incredible faith and it takes incredible courage. It takes real courage to surrender to god We have a picture in our mind of what it means to be courageous and a lot of times That picture is accurate you get an idea of what courageous is, but i tell you true courage is to surrender to god and it's not easy. And one person makes a difference, and you're that person. Will you surrender? And you think, does it matter if I get involved, if I get to use, be used for God's glory? It matters to you, and it matters to God. And it's like stepping into the darkness, and it takes one step at a time— and walking with God is, is like that It's like we want this clear path That's going to show us all the way to the end And God very seldom provides that Instead he provides a step And you take that step And it's like light shining into the darkness And everything comes alive And, and all of a sudden you see the things That you get used to living in the dark And they become disgusting when they're in the light And you take a step of trust okay, And, 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 it, and, and it's amazing how God moves And so just go back to those things What have you not surrendered to God? And realize that Jesus Christ has already surrendered everything for you. He paid the price. He took the hit. He gave his life. He did perish. So you don't have to. Christ did that for you. He rose from the grave and he lives so you can have life. He's still here. So you're not coming before this king that you don't know Jesus will reach out to you he will carry you he will use you mightily he will bless you but oftentimes, it takes us putting that thing on the throne uh, off the throne and being willing to say you know what God you take it if I perish I perish I surrender and I'm going to trust you So as we kind of land this thing Tom's going to come up And close us in a song And then we're going to talk a a little bit more about A baptism But just as we land this thing Realize that, that Jesus has defeated the enemy Realize We have a defeated foe Realize the Holy Spirit Has power over the flesh The only way you can overcome the flesh Is walk in the spirit Realize that realize that God wants to use you now and that you can make a difference and that you answer to him and to no other people and he will never let you down he's paid the price take that step of real courage and surrender to him and you'll be amazed at what he does father we just thank you and I just pray even now that you would bring to mind those things that we need to let go of and he would give us the courage to really surrender to you Amen. week. One more quick thing. To oh, yeah. Blessed week. But one more quick thing. A chance maybe to surrender. Next week we're doing baptisms. Okay? And we're doing baptisms in the creek. And so if uh, you know, it's an incredible opportunity to have this step of your faith. And it's an incredible public profession of your faith. And so maybe it's something that God has put on your heart. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've never taken that step to publicly be baptized, talk to one of us at the Staff or call the office it's an amazing Joyous time in the church And several people are going to be baptized And so we just encourage you to take that step Jesus was baptized he commanded us to be Baptized you know I was in India A couple years ago and I tell you what Water baptism to them was the incredible Step because when they take that step They are turning their Back on their old way of life And their old way of religion And for them it costs them Almost everything And to see those guys say, you know what, you can take my life, you can take my livelihood, you can beat me, but you cannot take my Jesus, it changes you. And so if if you've never taken that step, I encourage you to really pray about that because God will honor that and bless you for that. And as you go, uh, surrender to him and may he pour out on you this God who, who was and who came still is and he still speaks to you. Trust him in Jesus' name. God bless y'all.